Hello, comrades, and welcome to the Sunflower Socialist Podcast. Today is February 15th, 2020, and it is a frigid day here in Kansas. Temperatures around or below zero, so... You know, that's been fun. I'm absolutely freezing inside my apartment here. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about the elections which took place in Catalonia yesterday, where for the first time, pro-independence parties not only won a majority of seats in the Catalan parliament, but also a majority of the vote, which needless to say, is a momentous development. Now, for a little background, since I'm assuming most people listening to this podcast aren't super familiar with the situation in Catalonia, Catalonia is an autonomous region of Spain, but really it's a nation unto itself. They have their own language, their own culture, their own history, their own economic and political life, their own social consciousness, all the things that really make a nation a nation. And the nation of Catalonia actually extends beyond this autonomous province within Spain. It goes up into France, into northern Catalonia, and also encompasses other parts of Spanish regions, including much of Valencia and the Balearic Islands as well as the country of Andorra as well, where they also speak Catalan. Now, for a little bit of history, we're going to have to go back a couple hundred years to the Middle Ages. Beginning in the 12th century, Catalonia was a principality unto itself, and for most of its history was part of what was called a composite monarchy or a monarchical union with other Spanish kingdoms, meaning they had their own state, their own institutions, their own constitution, and their own government, but they shared a monarch with the rest of the Spanish kingdoms. Now fast forward ahead to the 1700s, to 1715, 1716, when the Bourbons overthrow the Habsburgs during the Wars of Spanish Succession, and they issue a declaration which unites all of Spain into a single absolutist monarchy, All the Catalan institutions are abolished, with a handful of exceptions, and those last remaining ones are finally abolished in 1833, along with many of the Basque institutions as well, I might add. So at this point, Spain is now a unified nation, and we begin to see the beginnings of Catalan nationalism emerge during the 19th century and the aftermath of this, with demands for either a restoration of its autonomous nature or total independence from Spain. This really grows and takes off in the 20th century, and during the Second Spanish Republic, there were actually several attempts to become an independent nation, ultimately settling for a statute of autonomy. But then, when the Second Spanish Republic fell to Franco, Franco abolished all of these institutions, all of these independent and autonomous provinces once again, and unified Spain into a highly centralized, quasi-fascist dictatorship, and heavily suppressed non-Spanish cultural identities within Spain. So the Catalan and Basque languages were heavily suppressed. They were banned from being taught in schools and being used in any institutional or official capacity. The other forms of Catalan culture were heavily suppressed, and this was often done violently using the national police. Now, when Franco died in 1975 and Juan Carlos was reestablished as the monarch of Spain, they began a democratization process, but this really was a top-down process. It was not done from the bottom up, and so there is still a lot of lingering influence and impacts of Spanish fascism that still permeate throughout the Spanish state, the monarchy just being the most obvious example of this, but it also permeates throughout the security establishment and the courts in Spain as well, and this can also be found throughout the ideologies of the major parties of the Spanish right. Now, the constitution that was adopted in 1978 recognized the right of the nationalities and regions within Spain to be autonomous, but it also declared the indissoluble unity of the Spanish state. So this was heavily objected to by Catalan separatists and Catalan independence activists, but nonetheless the constitution was ratified, and soon after a statute of autonomy between the Madrid government and Catalonia was established as well. Now ever since then, there has been a growing push for independence from Spain. And this has become a major cleavage within Catalan politics, and this finally came to a head in 2017 when the Catalan government, under Carlos Puigdemont, decided they were going to hold a referendum on 
Catalan independence. And this was massively opposed by the Spanish government under right-wing Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy. The Supreme Court of Spain ruled it unconstitutional, but Puigdemont decided to go ahead with the referendum anyway, and many people did turn out to vote. However, the Spanish state in Madrid decided to send in the national police, the same police that Franco would have sent in to suppress Catalan independence movements back during his rule, and it violently beat people and turned people away from the polls, provoking international outrage. Now, the referendum passed with over 90% of the votes cast being for independence. However, it is worth noting only about 45% of the electorate showed up to vote in this referendum. Many people who opposed independence had boycotted, not to mention the violent police suppression of the vote at the polling places themselves, which turned away thousands of voters. Now, despite the low turnout, the Catalan government under Puigdemont still took it on themselves to declare independence, but they revoked that about eight seconds later, saying they wanted to negotiate better terms with the Spanish government. The Spanish government under Rajoy responded by dissolving the Catalan government, revoking their autonomy, calling new elections, and had the independence leaders and multiple government ministers in Catalonia arrested on charges of sedition and misusing public funds. They were later sentenced to prison terms for this, which given their only real crime was exercising their internationally recognized right to self-determination, that makes them political prisoners. Others who were not arrested, like Catalan President Carlos Puigdemont, he fled to Belgium and is currently in exile there. And in the subsequent elections that were held, none of those people that were charged with the crimes were allowed to run for election. However, the pro-independence parties again won a majority of seats. However, they did not win a majority of votes. Now, the rift in Spanish society over the national question has really only continued to dominate the political and social discourse in the country ever since this. It came to its height then, but it's really still been at fever pitch ever since. So now we come to the elections that were held yesterday amidst the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I quickly want to go over the parties that ran in this election. There are about nine major parties in Catalonia, uh, or there were in this election at least, and they can more or less be divided into two camps, the pro- and anti-independence camps, although there is a somewhat of a third camp there that I'll also talk about. So in the pro-independence camp, we have about four parties, although that's now down to three after yesterday's results. And these are Together for Catalonia, or Junts per Catalonia, or Junts just for short, the Catalan European Democratic Party, or PDCAT, the Republican Left of Catalonia, AARC, and the Popular Unity Candidacy, CUP. So to summarize these parties as briefly as I can, PDCAT is a center-right, liberal, pro-business, and pro-independence party, and Puigdemont used to lead this party, and historically it was also the largest party in Catalonia, or at least it was under its old name, the Democratic Convergence of Catalonia. However, in 2020, Puigdemont and Pédicat, they broke into, and Puigdemont went off to start Junts, and Pédicat decided they were going to go it alone, as, you know, as they are, the center-right, liberal, pro-business, pro-independence party. They did not do too well, and I'll get further into detail on that later. Now, Junts, the group... Puigdemont went off to start, is a lot harder to define. Generally, they're often viewed in the media as being the more center-right of the pro-independence parties, but they're not very clear about what their ideology is beyond being pro-independence and being Puigdemont's personal project. I think it's fair to say that they're generally center to center-right, but there are also some left-wing parties that make up junts, so it's kind of hard to describe them accurately and do them justice. But let's just say for now that they are more right-wing than most of the other parties, but not as right-wing as Pédicat, at least within the pro-independence camp. 
Now we move on to AARC, the Republican left of Catalonia, and as their name would imply, they are a left-wing party. They're more social democratic than democratic socialist, but they're still very much on the left. They're a much more left-wing party than really even the Socialist Party of Catalonia, which is in the unionist camp, but not as left-wing as either uh, Incamu Podem or CUP. They are the oldest party in Catalonia, with their history going back to the days of the Second Spanish Republic in the 1930s, and for the past about six years, they've been governing in coalition with Pedicat and other pro-independence parties, and they were one of the parties that spearheaded the referendum in 2017. Their lead... Their leader, the president of the party, is actually currently in prison for his role in the referendum. Finally, in the pro-independence camp, we have CUP, which is a radical left, anti-capitalist, socialist, feminist, and pro-independence coalition made up of several smaller left parties, and they are the most radical party in the Catalan parliament by far. So in addition to the parties that are members of CUP itself, it was also joined by several small left-wing pro-independence parties similar to it, um, namely Guanyem, which is a municipal party, and also the Pirate Party of Catalonia also joined them on the ticket for this election. Now, previously, they had a confidence and supply agreement with the other separatist parties during the 2015 to 2017 session when the referendum took place, but they don't tend to go into government themselves. They don't like taking on ministerial responsibilities themselves. They prefer to remain a somewhat oppositional force with a partner with other separatist parties, essentially. So that's the pro-independence camp. Now, let's move on to the pro-union or the anti-independence camp. Just like with the pro-independence camp, there are about four parties that make up this camp, but they are even more internally divided than the independence camp. Here you find the PSD, or Socialist Party of Catalonia, which is the regional branch of the national PSOE, Spain's center-left social democratic party. Citizens, or C's, which the PP, or People's Party, which is Spain's main right-wing party. And then Vox, which is a far-right party. So the PSDE is the first one I'm going to talk about. They're pretty simple to discuss. They're center-left, social democratic party, uh, very much in favor of federalism. So they support things like the statute of autonomy, but they oppose independence or even the right to have a referendum on independence. And they are just the regional branch of the national PSOE. That's about it. I would say they're significantly more moderate than even AARC, who is also social democratic, but AARC is much more left-wing than the PSDE. C's is... A strange animal, to say the least. They started in Catalonia explicitly as a party to oppose the Catalan independence movement, and then they kind of branched out nationally after that, and now they're all across Spain. But they initially described themselves as being a center-left, progressive, post-nationalist, and European federalist party. Nowadays, they're generally considered to be a center-right, liberal conservative, Spanish nationalist, and European federalist party. So the only thing that hasn't changed about them since they were founded it was their commitment to European federalism. That's about it. They are staunchly opposed to Catalan independence, and in the last election, they actually gained the most seats in the Catalan parliament, the 2017 election after the referendum. The Pepe, which is quite small in Catalonia, I might add, is the, national, is the regional affiliate of the National People's Party, which is Spain's main right-wing party, which actually has its origins in former ministers in Franco's government, I might add. They're generally conservative, and very much in favor of Spanish unionism, and actually favor slightly less autonomy than is currently given. They favor a bit more centralism, but they don't want complete recentralization of Spain. And finally, in the unionist camp, we have Vox, which is a far-right, ultra-nationalist, anti-Islam, anti-immigrant, anti-feminist, you know, anti-progressive in general party. They are essentially the Donald Trumps of Spain, 
And actually, they campaigned as under Make Spain Great Again in the last uh, general election in Spain, I might add. And they are very, very, very fervently opposed to Catalan independence. And in fact, they want to re-centralize Spain. They want to take things like security and education out of the hands of the regional governments and put it back in the hands of the Madrid government. They staunchly oppose Catalan independence and Basque independence to the point that they believe that such parties that advocate for it should be illegal. So that's who these guys are. There's actually been quite a few cases where members on its list have turned out to be former neo-Nazis or openly neo-Francoists. So that's the kind of party that Vox is. Now, there is a third camp in Catalan politics, which is a bit different. And this only has one party in it. And this is in Camu Podem, which is a coalition of left-wing parties, including Podemos, which I'm sure most of you have heard of, as well as a regional party, Catalonia in Camu, which was started by Barcelona mayor Ida Colau. Now, they're eco-socialist, left-wing populist, all the good things, but on the national question, their stance is quite different from all the other parties. While all the other parties are either strictly pro-independence or anti-independence, in Camu Podem, their stance is essentially, firstly, constitutional reform. They oppose the current construction of the Spanish government and want to reform the Spanish constitution, and they favor the right of Catalonia to have a referendum on independence But in the event of a referendum, they would advocate a no vote, instead favoring just greater federalism in Spain. So that's why I kind of grouped them in in a third camp unto themselves, as opposed to being in the unionist camp, because they at least acknowledge the right of Catalonia to have a referendum. None of the other parties that favor continued union with Spain support even the right to have a referendum. So now that we've covered all the different parties that were running this election, let's talk about the election itself. Now, as stated, this election was very much framed by two issues, the COVID-19 pandemic and the national question. Those two were really the overriding factors here. And the pandemic really led to a massive decline in voter turnout. It was about 28 points lower than it was in 2017, where about 79% of the people voted. Just over half of Catalan voters cast ballots this time. However, that's not out of the ordinary for a lot of elections we've seen around the world. We have seen drops in voter turnout in other countries as a result of the pandemic. But for the most part, it appears that they did this as well as they could given the circumstances. Now, as for the campaign itself, it appeared that the wins in Catalonia were shifting towards the PSTE, in part because the candidate the PSTE chose was the former health minister in the current PSOE government in Madrid, who is one of the most popular ministers in the Spanish government because of his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. So people thought that this would be a chance to actually take out the independence movement, per se. This was, you know, a really surprising thing. They did not do particularly well in the 2017 election. The PSD did not. But in this election, they were skyrocketing to the top of the polls pretty fast. So that was a unique development here. People thought, oh, it's going to be you know, this could create instability. This could undermine the independence movement and take them out of government for the first time in years. And at least the way media reports in English language media made it appear is that people in Catalonia are getting tired of the pro-independence camp because they are so focused on the national question and not addressing the current crisis. That was the impression that you would get if you were reading uh, New York Times or any of the other major English language news sources. They were billing it as perhaps the last stand for the independence movement, that after this election, the independence movement might not be able to carry on with the momentum they've had. They may not even be able to get a government anymore. Or at least that's the impression you would get from most English language sources that I was seeing. Of course, the reality was quite different. The other big development in the campaign was the arrival of Vox onto the scene in Catalan politics. 
Fox has not previously run in a regional election in Catalonia. They have run in the national general elections in Catalonia and in municipal elections, but this was the first time they were running uh, for the Catalan parliament itself. And people were looking at this and looked like they were going to be quite a disruptive force, and them entering the Catalan parliament would be a quite terrifying prospect given how rapidly Vox has grown across Spain. They have gone from nothing to being a major party in Spanish politics in only a few years. They first entered a regional parliament back in 2018 in Andalusia, and now they have members in almost every regional parliament across the country. So this really is reflective of the rise of the far right in Spain for the first time since the end of the Franco regime, and that is a quite terrifying prospect for any rational person. Now let's talk about the results themselves. After the votes were cast in county yesterday, here were the preliminary results that came out. In terms of seat numbers, PSD, 33 seats, AARC, 33 seats, Junts, 32 seats, Vox, 11 seats, Coop, 9 seats, Incamu Podem, 8 seats, Cs, 6 seats, Pepe, 3 seats, and Pedicat, 0 seats. Now, I should note that PSD did win the most votes, about 23% of the vote, compared to AARC, who won only about 21% of the vote. But in terms of seat numbers, they came out the same. And what this means is that there is definitely going to be a shift in Catalan politics, but it's not the shift that a lot of media was reporting would happen. In reality, it was not a shift away from the independence movement. In fact, if you total up the results for AERC, Junts, Coop, and PDCAT, as well as smaller pro-independence parties, you get the result of over 50% of the votes cast were for pro-independence parties. That is monumental in Catalan politics. That's the first time since transition to democracy that separatist parties have won not just a majority of seats, but a majority of votes in a Catalan election. That is enormous and has ma- will have major ramifications for the future of Catalonia and the future of Catalan politics. The other big shift within the independence movement itself was the previous dominance by Pedicat or the center-right, in this case represented primarily by Junts, is now represented by AARC, who are now the largest pro-independence party in the Catalan parliament, and in all reality will be the leading party in the Catalan government for the next few years. Uh, So that is a clear indicator of a shift by the independence movement to the left, and the rise of Coups as well does indicate a very strong tilt towards the left by pro-independence voters. In the unionist camp, what we are actually finding is more disarray. Just like in 2017, the first place winner was a unionist party, but instead of being C's, it was PSD. And at the same time, we saw the rise of Vox, which this indicates that unionist voters are not really loyal to any particular party, and they are in even more disarray than they were in 2017 or in the years prior to that. Nowadays, it appears that many unionist voters are switching parties based on the election and wherever the wind blows. They're voting strategically based on the party, the unionist party that looks set to win the most votes. And with the rise of Vox, who is now the fourth largest party in the Catalan parliament, it would appear that this is going to cause even more problems for them because, well, PSD won a lot of votes that had previously gone to C's, which is more center-right, and those votes went to a center-left party this time. C's also lost seats to Vox. And that is going to be a real challenge for a lot of unionist voters. Are we, you know, are they going to decide if they are so determined to maintain union with Spain that they are willing to make a deal with the devil and vote for Vox? Or are they willing to risk 
independence, the thing they are most adamantly opposed to, and and divide the unionist vote even further. Because the reality is a pan-unionist coalition is virtually impossible in Catalan politics because the Catalan parties of the unionist camp are very heavily divided. Past they will never go into coalition with Vox and probably never go into coalition with Pepe either, because at the national level, those two are staunch rivals. There have been coalitions between PSD and Cs in the past, but that is looking increasingly unlikely in the future as Cs shifts increasingly to the right, leaving the only option for a PSD-led government would be a broad-left coalition, you know, including the AARC and Incambu Podem. But the thing is, AARC is just so stringently in favor of independence that they would not be willing to go into coalition with with the PSA under almost any circumstance now because of that divide over the independence question has just polarized Catalan politics so much. So that's a real challenge for the unionist camp in Catalonia going forward. They're going to have to decide what they are willing to do to prevent Catalan independence. All this being said, while a majority of votes did go to pro-independence parties, that doesn't mean that Catalan independence is going to happen in the next year. For one, the COVID-19 pandemic is still the first priority on everyone's mind, uh, and the national government's mind in particular is still very much set on dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. As I said, they are in the midst of a third wave right now. Spain was one of the hardest hit countries earlier in the pandemic, and they are not going to be particularly focused on the question of Catalan independence for the foreseeable future. However, this election does show a clear mandate for at least the right to decide on Catalan independence. This is a clear rebuke of the Madrid government, both of Rajoy and now of Sanchez, that the Catalan people are demanding the right to decide their future. That's what this is all about. It's about self-determination, and the government is going to have to either accept that the Catalan people want to choose their path, or they're going to have to continue to dig in their heels and do nothing, and only exacerbate the divide between Spain and Catalonia. That's just the reality of the situation. There is going to have to be negotiations. There's going to have to be reforms of the statute of autonomy in the near future, and in all likelihood, they are going to have to seriously discuss opening up the constitutional question to allow a full binding legal referendum on Catalan independence in the coming years. There is no real way for the Spanish government to get out of it without repeating the crisis of 2017 again. You know, they want to avoid that at all costs. That was one of the things that helped bring down Rajoy's government in the end. And now Sanchez is going to be faced with a very similar choice going forward. The other big development in the Catalan elections that I want to dwell on is that this also marks a shift to the left. Uh, The Catalan government is now, for the first time since the Second Spanish Republic, is going to be headed up by a member of AARC, Previously, the pro-independence coalitions were always led by someone from either Pedicat or another more center-right Catalan independence party. Now it's going to be led by someone from the left. And in all likelihood, because they are just a few seats short of an outright majority in the Catalan parliament, they're likely going to form a sort of confidence and supply agreement with COUP. And this will push the government's policies even further to the left. Although Junts will still be the junior coalition partner, and they are the more right-leaning of the pro-independence parties. You know, they're a bit harder to define, but they are not an explicitly left-wing party like AARC or COUP are, or even like Incamu Podem. So that is going to make some of the other issues that will be facing Catalonia in in the near future a bit more complicated. And while I don't personally think that we can really define PSD as a strictly left-wing party, of the three left-wing parties, AARC, 
in Kamupodem and Coop, you're still about 20 seats short of an outright majority in the Catalan parliament. So that's going to be a bit of a challenge in enacting more progressive left-wing policies. But the fact that you now have left-wing leadership, a left-wing uh, support partner, and a much, much weaker right-wing flank in that parliament, I think that is going to be a very positive development in terms of other left-wing objectives in Catalonia going forward. You know, and especially as we re we appear to be heading back into an era of austerity in the aftermath of COVID, I think that having a left-wing or at least a left-led government in Catalonia will undoubtedly be a positive development, especially with a left government at the national level as well. So the future of Catalonia is going to be hard to say, but there are going to be some positive developments, I think. And it's undoubtedly true that the national government will need to start very seriously considering allowing the Catalan people to decide their own future. They're going to have to seriously take up the idea of national self-determination for Catalonia, and probably also for other parts of Spain, especially the Basque Country, that will want independence in the future. That's the reality that Spain is facing right now, and Catalonia and their elections yesterday just showed that there is a desire for national self-determination on the Iberian Peninsula, and that they do not want to continue to be part of Spain, a country they never chose to be a part of, and which they have historically just been forced to remain a part of. They now want to be independent, as this election results show, in my opinion. This is a mandate for independence and for the right to decide. So the Spanish government ought to take it upon themselves to allow a referendum, allow it to be binding, and allow Catalonia to separate, either unilaterally or bilaterally. You know, the Spanish government has got to just allow Catalonia to go if they decide they want to go now, because that is what these election results show. music clip there was the Catalan National Anthem, The Reapers, which is a pretty awesome name for a national anthem, I have to admit. As you will obviously have guessed throughout this podcast, I'm very much in favor of Catalan independence and Catalan national self-determination. But, you know, I do just want to kind of address some of the issues with that with that itself, because I've heard many people, including those on the left, argue against it. And I just want to explain my rationale for supporting Catalan national self-determination. My first and biggest reason naturally has to do with the fact that a big part of my politics has been shaped by Irish republicanism. You know, Sinn Féin and their you know, learning about them was what got me into politics really in the first place and what exposed me to ideas like democratic socialism from the outset. And so my ideology has very much been shaped by the Irish Republican movement, Irish history, uh, the ideas of people like James Connolly have been very formative to me. And a big part of that is protecting the right to national self-determination and standing in solidarity with other nations seeking self-determination. And Catalonia and Ireland have long been supportive of one another in that, just as the Irish have been very supportive of the Basque struggle and the Palestinian struggle. So that is my that is a big part of the reason that I support this right to Catalan national self-determination, the right to Catalan independence. So this really is an integral part of what I believe. I believe in national self-determination. I believe in the rights of nations to become independent if they choose to do so democratically. 
You know, that's fundamentally what I believe in uh, when it comes to issues like nationalism and the national question. This is very different. I know a lot of leftists who are very much of like, no, we shouldn't support any forms of nationalism because nationalism is inherently reactionary or bourgeois or whatever. But to that, I have to say, well, you know, maybe if it's a chauvinistic nationalism, a nationalism of, a, of an oppressor, American nationalism, Spanish nationalism, British nationalism, French nationalism, etc., then yes, I can understand that argument. But for a nation, for a stateless nation or a nation with, uh, that is within another nation that is seeking independence, seeking national self-determination, that is not inherently a bad thing. That is not something that we should oppose just because it is nationalism. And I don't find it to be in contradiction to the ideas of internationalism either. You know, as I said, with the Irish Republican movement, you know, they have never been a movement that has been strictly uh, isolated just to national self-determination for us and not for you, for we, not thee. That's never been part of these more left-wing, progressive, liberatory nationalist traditions that we find all around the world. Instead, Irish Republicans and others have long sought to make common cause with other national liberation movements the world over and have been very supportive of them in the past and to this day. Now, don't read this as some sort of endorsement of ethno-nationalism, of ethnically exclusionary nationalism or racial nationalism or anything like that. I am very much not in favor of that. I am a strong supporter of multiculturalism and of pluralism. I do not believe in ethnic exclusion or anything of that nature. And I don't see that really at all with movements like the Catalan independence movement. They are not desiring to create a, a homogenous Catalan ethnostate. They want to just have an independent Catalan nation for all people that live in Catalonia. You know, they are defined as a being defined as a nation has nothing to do with race or ethnicity. Being a nation is about having a common consciousness, a common identity, a common culture, language, history, and territory to call your own. That's what constitutes a nation. It has nothing to do with race or ethnicity. Anyone can become part of a nation if they are willing to be part of said nation. That's what being a nation is all about. It has nothing to do with race or ethnicity. So let's be 100% clear on that. Nationalism is not always a bad thing. Bad Empanada and Paul Morin on YouTube have both done great videos exploring the concepts of left-wing nationalism and how nationalism can be progressive in certain contexts. And I think Catalonia is one of those contexts where it can be progressive. Now, the other argument that I hear that is a bit more specific to the Catalan situation is the idea, and I hear this cited a lot from not just leftists, but also from mainstream media outlets, that a big motivation behind the Catalan independence movement is because Catalonia is a rather prosperous region of Spain. And that's true. But they think that people want independence from Spain because essentially they want to keep all of Catalonia's wealth and industry and prosperity for themselves. And this argument is utter nonsense. There might be some, especially on the right of the independence movement, parties like the pro-business Pedicat types will you know, probably make this argument. But this is not an argument that I've ever encountered from Catalan independence activists myself. I mostly hear it from English language media more than anything else. And this has led some leftists to believe that the whole Catalan independence movement is some sort of a bourgeois or middle-class project to divide the working class, when this is utterly antithetical and so far from the truth. The majority of Catalan independence supporters are on the left, and they are arguing that because we are a nation, because Catalonia is a nation, they therefore have the right to national self-determination, and thus independence. That's what it's about at the end of the day. It is fundamentally a question of democracy and social progress, and social progress is going to be far easier to make in Catalonia than it would be in a united Spain. You know, that's just the reality of it, because in Spain, you are still, in Spain itself, you're still dealing with the vestiges of the old Francoist regime. That is not going to be resolved 
if Catalonia is still part of Spain and it cannot be resolved in Catalonia unless Catalonia is sovereign. That's the reality of the situation. It is fundamentally a progressive movement for Catalan independence. That's what this is a movement for. It is not a reactionary bourgeois project. It is a socially progressive democratic project for national self-determination. That's it. This is not about business. This is not really even about economics. This is about the right of the Catalan nation to pursue its own destiny and do so in a democratic way. That's it. And so I just wanted to dispel that argument right now off the bat. This is not about, you know, preserving just Catalonia's wealth and prosperity for themselves. No, they are about pursuing their own future as a nation because they are a nation and they have been a nation for hundreds of years. They want their right to independence. That's what this election is a clear mandate for. And to say this is some sort of a bourgeois project is to utterly ignore the reality of the situation in Catalonia. And so I am proud to say that I strongly support Catalan independence and the right of Catalonia to pursue national self-determination. That is what I am in support of. I'm making a stance for democracy and for human rights when I do this. I'm making a stance for social progress. I'm not making a stance that is antithetical to my socialist politics. It is a stance that stems from my socialist politics. That is what I firmly believe on this question of Catalan independence, and that is why I'm very happy with the results of the election yesterday, to see that we are going to have a strong pro-independence mandate in the next Catalan parliament, that the Catalan people have overwhelmingly shown their support for Catalan national self-determination, and that the government of Spain is going to have no choice but to act on this question in the future, or else they will risk a return to the days of 2017 when the whole country was engulfed in crisis as a result of the failure of the Spanish state to recognize this basic human right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Sunflower Socialist Podcast. If you like the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes. And if you want to help me make more of these podcasts, please be sure to support me on Patreon. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Brendan Davison. And check out my YouTube channel, The Sunflower Socialist, where I am currently doing a series on the French presidential election. Thanks so much. And as always... Solidarity.